during this lesson tonight. So let me just say it now. Do you understand why people perish when they don't have vision? You understand that without vision, without a goal, without a desire to, to reach a certain point, a certain juncture, that if, if you don't have vision, if you don't see where you're headed, you're going to get distracted, you're going to lose your way. You're going to end up lost in the wilderness or, or, or falling over a cliff or something's going to happen. Where there is no vision, the people cannot be strong. They cannot accomplish the things God wants them to accomplish. And ultimately, ultimately, according to the scripture, without a vision, we're going to perish. We're going to perish. We must Listen to me, church. Too many of us in our Christian walk are just aimlessly drifting along. We really are. We're just aimlessly drifting. We're just here. Don't really know what we're doing. Don't really know where we're going. Don't really, don't really have any big plans or dreams. We're just here. But God, give us a vision tonight. God, Give us a goal. Give us something that we can put our shoulder to and begin to do what God has called us to do. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Amen. If, if I remember, I'll announce my title later. Uh, if I don't remember, I'll tell the sound man. You can look it up on our website, all right? Praise God. Amen, amen. But, but I want to hold that in for just a few moments here tonight uh, before we uh, get started. I, I'll, I'll try to tell you in a little while. But let's pray together right now. Let's ask the Lord to speak to us. And I, I need his touch. My voice seems like it's been getting stronger until tonight. First night that I'm going to preach after several weeks of revival, and you wouldn't know that my voice begins to play out. But I'm going to preach anyhow. If I have to whisper, we'll get there. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Praise God. Amen, 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 amen. Praise God. Let's pray together, everyone. Let's ask the Lord to help us right now. Can we? Let's lift our voices. Talk to the Lord, everybody. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I, I, I want to I ask you, I want to ask you to pray one more time. And I want to ask you to pray a specific prayer tonight. Because I don't want this to just be a lesson or a sermon uh, or even just a message. I want there to be divine impartation here tonight. I want you to receive something tonight that's going to stay with you. Are you hearing me? I, I, I don't want it to just be one of those nights you walk away and say, well, that was a nice Bible study. But I want you to receive something that the Holy Ghost imparts to your heart tonight. 
Would you pray one more time? God, grant divine impartation in this service. Let's lift our voices. Come on, ask God, give it to me tonight, God. Let me receive tonight. Let me not just hear, but let me receive with meekness the engrafted word that's able to save my soul. Oh, I need you, Jesus. Oh. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost here. I feel the presence of God here tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, now, don't, don't, don't fall off the train here. It's going to be a little slow-moving train for a few minutes, but I'm going somewhere tonight. Don't fall off. Don't fall off while it's moving slow. Don't, 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 don't abandon ship while we are, we are trying to launch this thing here tonight. But, but, but I want to tell you tonight, I want to tell you how all of this burden and, and what I'm feeling tonight really came about. Um, last week, as you know, we, we adjusted our midweek service uh, so that um, our, our ministry staff and myself could go to Tulsa to a minister's training seminar. And, and during the morning sessions, I was uh, there teaching the preacher's kids uh, and, and uh, then was able to be in the afternoon sessions. And my, what a time we had. What a time we had. I'm, I'm telling you that, that the glory of God and the power of God met with us in such a phenomenal way. It was absolutely without question one of the deepest meetings I've ever been in in my life. The depth of the Spirit of God that was present was just beyond description. But, but in one of those sessions, in one of those sessions, my, my pastor, Brother Howard, uh, was teaching, and he was teaching a session entitled Principles for a Successful Ministry. Uh, as he began to teach that lesson, he enumerated for us four important principles that must be a part of our lives if we're going to be successful in our work for God. Now, I'm not going to teach that lesson tonight. I'm not here to teach a minister's training seminar. I'm, I'm teaching the good saints of God. I'm, I'm here to talk to you tonight. But I do want to tell you that, that as he began to go through those principles, the second principle on his list hit me very hard. And it was simply this. Keep before your people the vision God has given you for your church. Keep it before the people. Keep it before the people. Whatever God has shown you he wants your church to become, don't let them forget it. Don't let them get away from it. But keep it before them always. He, he pointed out to us, and I've, I've been there, I've, I've been in service there, I've preached in his church and noticed it and never really knew what it was about, but he, he, he pointed out a banner that hung over the platform called the Antioch Church, is what it said, the Antioch Church. But he told us, he explained to us in that session what that banner was all about. It seems that many years ago he taught uh, his church based on the vision he had for his assembly. He taught them about the church in the book of Acts that was in Antioch and all of the things that that church represented. And he preached to them a message, I want an Antioch church. 
I want our church to be like the church at Antioch. And, and he listed those principles. Well, somebody came along and said, Pastor Howard, uh, could, could we make a banner that says the Antioch Church and just hang it there on the platform? And he said, yes, that'd be good. They put it there. He said, several times I've thought about taking it down. It's been many years. But he said, I can never get away from it. And then he said, I began to realize it's important that it stay there. In fact, he said, just a few weeks ago, I came back and preached to the church. I still want an Antioch church. He said, I'm trying to keep it before the people so they'll have a goal, so they'll know where we're headed. Well, hallelujah. And so, and so as I listened, as I listened, uh, and, and, and as I began to grasp the things that he was stating, it, 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 it dawned on me, it uh, came to me, I realized that, that really I've, I've done a poor job of keeping my vision before this church. I, I, now listen, I've, I've talked frequently about one aspect of my vision. This church knows that you hear a lot as I talk to you about how I don't want us to stay focused just on the city of Olathe. This is not all that God's called us to do. I've, I've shared with you repeatedly that I believe God put us here to reach other communities around us. There is not a one God, Jesus name apostolic church in Lenexa or Shawnee or Prairie Village. We've got to change that. We've got to fix that. God didn't just put us here to reach this city, but God put us here in a strategic location so that we can reach out all around us and begin to plant works everywhere throughout Kansas City. That's my vision. That's my vision. And, and you've heard me talk about it. You've heard me say it a lot. And you know the amazing thing, that part of the vision is being fulfilled. It's being fulfilled. We already have one daughter work that is, that is established. It's now over a year old in the city of Gardner. Thank God for it. I'm going to tell you, I'm, please, please understand. And this, I know we've got guests here tonight. You don't know me. And, and, and it might be easy for you to think that I'm being a bit egotistical in what I'm about to say. But this church knows me and knows that's the farthest thing from the truth. This is not about egotism. But, but it is about the fact that I have continued to push my vision. And because of that, because of that, we have a church now in Gardner, Kansas. Because of that, we are in the process of birthing one in Lacine, Kansas. Because of that, I don't, I don't want to say too much too soon, but I just want to tell you this. There's a third one in the works. And, 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 and I'm going to tell you that the reason it's happening is because I've constantly put it out before this church. I've constantly laid it out there. This is what God wants. This is what God wants. This is what God wants. And so men have caught that vision. Men have understood that. And they're going about to do what God has put in my heart to see accomplished. And that's great and that's wonderful. But I've realized that's not all of my vision for this church. It is the part that it seems like I have reminded you of more frequently than anything else. But that's not all of my vision. And honestly, I felt convicted. And I'm going to tell you something. I hope I never get to the place 
as a preacher that the word of God cannot convict me. And if you ever get to that place as a saint, you're in trouble with God. I'm telling you, from now until the trumpet sounds, we need to have a heart that, that can be reasoned with through the scriptures. We must never attain a place in our life that somebody can't preach us under conviction once in a while. Because we're not going to be perfect until the trumpet sounds and we go up. But until that point, I need a preacher to preach to me. I need somebody to talk to me. I need the word of God to reach down into my heart and do something to me. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. Hallelujah. And so, and so, I, I, I realized, I, I got under conviction and, and, and I realized that that I've only been focusing on one part of my vision. And, and I'd kept that in front of you. And, and, and we're seeing that come to pass. And, and, and we're seeing that happen. But, but there's another part to that vision that I really, I really haven't dwelt on. And I really haven't talked about nearly, nearly enough. I want to start trying to remedy that tonight. Well, Hallelujah. And, and I want to tell you that if the Lord tarries, if the Lord tarries, I fully intend, I fully intend to bring this before you at least once a year, every year. In fact, I've already entered it in my calendar because I don't plan to let it slip over the next few years. I'll say more about that in just a minute. Praise God. Hallelujah. But but let me tell you, I went back and checked the records, and it was August the 8th, 19, I didn't know this. When I started feeling that this is what I need to say tonight, I, I did not realize when it was, but it was August the 8th. It was the second Thursday night of August in 1996, just a few months after I became pastor of this church, that I stood, well, I didn't stand in this pulpit. I stood in the old pulpit on the old platform and, and I stood in this sanctuary and I began to teach this church a lesson that I entitled Vision 300. Now that was August the 8th, 1996. I taught that lesson to this church. I, I, in that lesson, I presented to you what I believe uh, at that time and still believe was the vision God had for this assembly. One year later, one year later, on August the 19th uh, of 1997, August the 19th, 1997, I again taught that lesson to this church. Now, sadly, sadly, that's the last time that I find uh, any record of having taught that lesson again after that. I did it. I did it a few months after I got here. I did it one year later, but I don't find where I did it again. And again, I sincerely apologize. Amen. My text makes it very clear that as a church, there must be a vision. Read it for us again, Brother Jared, in Proverbs 29 and 18. Read what the wise man said. Where there is no vision. Where there is no vision. The people perish. The people 
perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Now listen, I'm not above standing before this church and apologizing to you. I, I think if that's what it takes, then that's what I'm going to do. You understand? You hear me tonight. Amen. I, I don't believe any of us are yet perfected. And I believe every one of us make mistakes from time to time. And I'm assuming full responsibility for not having done this before. But I don't intend by the grace of God to let this mistake be repeated. I'm going to tell you, church, you're going to hear this vision. You're going to hear it over and over and over. Huh? I'm telling you, just like I have shared with you the vision of planting churches and we're seeing it happen, I'm going to share with you the rest of that vision because I believe the more I share it with you, the more you're going to get a hold of it, the more you're going to put it into practice, and the more we're going to see it begin to be fulfilled. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so I'm going to go back and revisit that lesson I taught 19 years ago. And again, 18 years ago. I want to go back and revisit that tonight. Not to teach everything I said then, but to revisit the principles that I shared with you because I still, that vision is still alive in my heart and in my mind. And I'm going to tell you tonight, I'm going to tell you tonight that I believe it's got to become your vision. It can't stay with just being my vision. It's got to become your vision. Now, I, listen, I've stood and apologized publicly now for not sharing it more often, but some of you were here when I shared it 19 years ago. Some of you were here when I shared it 18 years ago. You should have caught it then. You should have got a hold of it then. Amen. But I'm telling you, we're all going to fix this problem going forward. We're going to get a hold of this. We're going to watch God bring it to pass. Oh, hallelujah. Now, I, I said we're going to start slow, and I'm not, I'm not moving too slow here. I'm, uh, hallelujah. Maybe I need to slow down a little bit, but, but it's hard for me to do it. I feel what I'm telling you tonight. I feel it in every, in, in every fiber of my being. I feel it tonight. Hallelujah. Amen. Listen, listen. I believe that God placed a concept on my heart years ago that, that we have got to keep in mind. And I call this concept goal-oriented evangelism. Goal-oriented evangelism. Not just evangelism, but evangelism with some goals in mind. Evangelism with a purpose. Evangelism with a plan. We're doing what we're doing to reach a goal. And that goal is part of my vision. We, we, we are reaching our world through setting and achieving goals. Now, now listen, listen. Years ago, years ago, when I graduated from, from college, um, my wife and I immediately went into Christian education. And the form of education we were teaching back then uh, it's known as Accelerated Christian Education. I think they've changed the name now. 
but um, I think they call it now the school of tomorrow. But back then, it was called Accelerated Christian Education. It was ACE. And, and the way that this was done, they, they taught us that if you will set goals, if you'll set goals for these kids, every day they have a goal to accomplish. Now, now look, I'm, I'm not gonna, we're not going to talk about what I came to see as the weaknesses of the curriculum and all the other things. And, and I did see some real weaknesses in the curriculum. But the principle, the principle of what they were doing, I found to be, to be very viable and, and very workable and very true. That if you break down these goals, here's what you've got to get accomplished. Here's the amount of time you've got to get it accomplished in. And then we're going to break that down further and we're going to set daily goals. And if the students would just reach those daily goals, then they never had homework. They got their work done. They finished a year's worth of work in a year's time. And so we didn't just throw a book down in front of them and say, you got to get this done. But we said, if you'll do this many pages this day and this many pages this day, this many pages, if they would set those goals, then they would accomplish the ultimate goal. Are you with me? Now, I'm telling you, that works. That works. You, you, you know, somebody said, how do you eat an elephant? Well, you do it one bite at a time, right? That, that's, that's how you do it. That's how you do it. And any huge goal that you want to accomplish, you know how we're going to get it done? Not by looking at it. Oh, man, how are we going to ever get this elephant, elephant devoured? I'll tell you how we're going to do it. One bite at a time. We're going to set a small goal. We're going to consume this much today and this much tomorrow and this much the next day. And one day we're going to wake up and realize we've done it. Is anybody feeling what I'm feeling? I know we may not be running the aisles, but I sure am feeling the Holy Ghost in what I'm talking to you about. I'm telling you, church, we can do it. I'm telling you the vision I've got for this church, we can accomplish it by the help and grace of God. But we're going to break it into some goals. We're going to break this down into some goals, some reachable, attainable goals. See, this is what they taught us. You can't, you can't give this student too much or they'll become frustrated. But you give them just enough you want to give them enough that they're not sitting there twiddling their thumbs. But you don't want to give them so much that they give up in frustration. Are you with me? I'm trying to make some spiritual applications here. We've got some goals we want to accomplish. And I'm going to talk to you about what those goals are over, if, if, if time will permit tonight. I'm going to talk to you about what those goals are. But I want to get a concept in your mind. This is what I feel like God gave me years ago, is that the way we're going to do this is through setting smaller goals. And we start working to accomplish those goals. And as we accomplish one goal, we move on to the next one. Are you with me? Are you with me? Hallelujah. So let's, let's talk about goal-oriented evangelism. Let's talk about what we've got to do. Listen, let me start out by reiterating to you and reminding you that every one of us as children of God have a calling. 
And we not only have a calling, we have an empowerment to accomplish that calling. God never calls us to do something. He doesn't give us the power to get done. No, no, no. Some of you didn't get what I just said. God will never call you to do something if he doesn't give you the power to get it done. In fact, when God calls you to do something, he's going to give you every tool you need to accomplish what he asks you to accomplish. Oh, hallelujah. God help me tonight. I'm telling you, it's only been a few months ago that I, I sent an email to Bishop Howard. And, and we were talking about how that God has spoken so clearly. He wants me to continue to oversee this church. But he also wants me to continue to oversee the work in Africa. And I said, Bishop, please pray for me. I don't see how I can do it. I feel so overwhelmed. I feel so inadequate. And he wrote back, as only Brother Howard can. He said, you are inadequate. But he said, that's how God does things. God chooses those that are inadequate so they'll realize that they've got to have help from God. But God's going to empower you and God's going to strengthen you and God's going to give you everything you need to make up for the inadequacies. He said, you're in over your head, but God's going to help you. Now, I need some saints to get that. I need some saints to get that revelation. We've got a big job. How are we going to reach Kansas City? How are we going to reach three million people? That's a big job. But God's going to empower us. And God's going to give us grace. And God's going to give... Oh, somebody get a hold of this tonight. God's going to give us the tools we need to do what he's asked us to do. Listen, listen, God didn't just save you. He didn't just save you. He called you. He called you. Now hear me tonight, hear me tonight. You have a calling on your life. I'm not talking about a calling to preach. But there is a calling. Acts chapter 1. Verse 8, what did he say? But ye shall receive power. You receive power. After that, the Holy After Ghost, the Holy Ghost has, has come upon, upon you. you. And you and shall, shall be witnesses. Wait, and you shall be witnesses. And you shall, what's the next word? Be. There's a call. He didn't say you shall witness. Right. He didn't just give you a job. He gave you a calling. This is what you're supposed, this is not what you're supposed to do. This is what you're supposed to be. See, for some folks, preaching is what they do. But for other folks, a preacher is who they are. The same thing is true of saints. There are some folks that spend their life. Once in a while, they will witness. But that's not what God wants out of you. God wants you to recognize that the moment he saved you, he put a call on your life to be a witness. This is 24-7. 
365. Are you understanding me tonight? This is not a once in a while. Well, on Saturday morning if the pastor asked me to. No, no, no. No, 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 no. Every day, whether you're going to work or you're going to the store or you're putting gas in your car, you got a call on your life. Telling you, I'm telling you, the church has suffered because of men who just wanted to preach, but they didn't want to be a preacher. I'm telling you the truth. They wanted to fill a pulpit once in a while, but they didn't want to be a preacher. The church is also suffering because of people who once in a while, when they're pushed to do it, when they're shamed into doing it, when when the pressure is on, they'll go out and they'll witness. But that's not what God's looking for. God wants you to be a witness. From the time you get up in the morning to the time you go to bed at night, you are called to be a witness. And let me show you what the Bible said. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost shall come upon you. Now listen, he's not talking about power to cast out devils. He's not talking about power to perform miracles. He's not talking about the power to run the aisles or shout and dance. He's talking about the power to be what he called you to be. God, I'm losing some of you now, but God called you to be a witness and God gave you the power to fulfill that calling. Hallelujah. I know, I know some of you, I know some of you are not, you know, you're not the outgoing type. I know some of you have got have physical limitations. You can't go here, go there, do things. But every one of us, every one of us come in contact with people somewhere, somehow, some way, at some time. And we need to understand while we're in the middle of that contact, hey, I've got a calling. I've got a job. Hallelujah. I sat at the hospital the other day with Brother Weems. I'm telling you, every nurse, every doctor that came in, before they walked out of that room, they knew where he went to church. That's right. They knew. And they knew. He, he talked to that doctor. Uh, he was talking about the time that he, his, his, his uh, defibrillator went off. And, and uh, the doctor said, well, what happened? He said, well, I was just praising God, worshiping God. Doctor looked at him kind of funny. But I'm telling you, he, he understood. You know, I may be in the hospital for a procedure, but above that, I am a witness. Come on, church. I'm talking to us. I know I know the tendency is to get bogged down right here because we don't really like this. We don't really like this. We'd rather that we get some kind of feel-good message where we can walk out and pat ourselves on the back for being good little Christians. But I'm telling you what God is telling you tonight. I believe that I'm in the will of God in delivering what I'm delivering tonight. God called you to be a witness. And when he called you, he empowered you to accomplish that calling. Now, God called us and God gave us the power to do it. 
but we're going to have to find an effective way to accomplish the task before us. It's my conviction that we must have an ultimate goal. We need to have a goal in mind, Brother Jared. When I talk to that waitress at the restaurant, I've got a goal in mind. I'm not just doing a duty. I'm not just handing out a church card because the preacher told me to hand out a church card. But I've got a goal. There's something I want to accomplish in the life of that waitress. And I want to tell you, we not only must have a goal for the individuals we're reaching, but we must have a goal for this church. Where do we want this church to go? What do we want this church to become? Do we even think about it? I want to tell you that for most of us, it's, it's just a matter of more like it's church time. I've got to get to church tonight. But we really need to change our focus and catch this vision. i got a goal. There's a goal. We're not where we want to be. We have not accomplished what we want to accomplish. What I want to accomplish is not just that I make it to the next service. Oh, that's the way some people are. If I can just make it to the next service, if I can just get to heaven by the skin of my teeth, God help us to lift our sights higher than that. It's not about just getting by. But let's start coming to church with a goal. I want to tell you, listen to me, church. This is why, this is why we have to be pumped and primed and begged to worship. Because we are not sitting on these pews with a vision of where we want this church to go. Let's just be honest about it. We're not. We're not coming in here, sitting here, thinking, what do we want to happen? Where do we want to go? What are we trying to accomplish? No, we're just here doing our duties. Going through the calisthenics. Apostolic exercises. Raise this hand. Raise this hand. Let's clap. Let's jump. And we just go through all of this. But there's no real goal in mind. I'm saying that's got to change. We've got to walk in these doors with a goal. We're trying to get this church somewhere. We're trying to accomplish something in this assembly. So what can I do in the service tonight that's going to help this church get there? I'm going to tell you, what will not help us get there is you just sitting there. I'll tell you, what will not help us get there is you letting your mind wander about tomorrow's responsibilities or how you're going to pay this bill or did I leave the oven going tonight? That's not going to help us get there. But if you walk in these doors with a mindset, I've got to do something to help this church reach the goal that's... Oh, I feel this tonight. I got to do something. I, as a saint, as a member of New Life, I've got to do something to help this church get to where it needs to be. I'm, maybe I'm not getting too far ahead of myself. Let me show you something. Go over to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4. There is one body. There, there are how many bodies? One. How many bodies? One. Are we still a oneness people around here? Yes, sir. There's one Lord. There's one faith. There's one baptism. There's one body. Right. One body. There's one body. One body. All right. There's, there's one body, 
one spirit, and one spirit, even as you're called you're in called one in hope of your calling. one hope of your calling. You are called in one hope of your calling. Every one of us have got one calling. Now we may have more than one, but every one of us have one. Do you understand? You may have six, but there's one that we all have. Now, what is that one? Well, this may take me a little while to get through these, but let's skip down to verse 11, Ephesians chapter 4, starting with verse 11. And he gave some apostles, gave some apostles and some, some prophets, prophets and some, some evangelists, evangelists some and some pastors, pastors and, teachers and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the, work the ministry, the ministry for the edifying, edifying of the body of Christ, Christ till we all come we in the, all unity, come into the unity of the, of the faith, faith and of the knowledge of the, knowledge Son, of God, of the Son of God unto a perfect man. To that Perfect man. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness measure of Christ. The stature of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children. Not children anymore. Tossed to and fro. Tossed all around. And carried about with every, wind, every of doctrine, wind of doctrine. By the slight of men. Slide of men and cunning craftiness. Whereby they whereby lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love. speaking the truth in love. May grow up into him in all things. Okay, read. Which is which the is head the even head Christ. Christ. Read. From whom the whole body fitly joined together. Now listen to this. Listen to this. And compact. The whole body. The whole, everyone say the whole body. The whole body fitly joined together and compacted by compacted. that which. Now, wait, wait, wait. This body is joined together and it's compacted together. And then the next word is by. It's telling us the means that accomplishes this bringing the body together. We understand the importance of the unity of the body. We understand the importance of becoming one, right? Yes, sir. Now, now listen, he's telling us how that's going to happen. Yes. That happens, we are joined together and compacted by that which every that joint, which every joint, every joint supplieth. Every joint. E I want you to say every. You understand that includes you. You understand that includes all of us. That which every joint supplieth. Read. According to the effectual According working. To the effectual working in the of measure of the every measure part. of what? Every part. Of what? Every part. Of what? Every. Listen, church. Listen. Listen to what I'm telling you tonight. This is how it happens. Every part is providing something to the body that will help us to accomplish the goal God set before us. Too many of us are waiting for someone else to do it. We're expecting someone else to carry the load. We're hoping someone else to do the praying, someone else to do the fasting, someone else to do the witnessing, but no, 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 no. We're waiting on somebody else to do the worshiping. We're waiting on somebody else to run the aisle. We're waiting on somebody... But no, 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 no. If this body is going to become what God wants it to become, every one of us are going to have to own the responsibility we have if we're going to sit on this pew. Everybody sitting on the pew has a responsibility. You're supposed to supply something to this church. I've said it before. I get phone calls all the time. People move into Kansas City. Well, what does your church have to offer me? That's the wrong question. The question is, what can I offer your church? Come on. Whatever happened to the days of John F. Kennedy who said, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. 
I'm saying ask not what your church can do for you, but ask what can I do for my church? How can I help this church get to where God wants it to be? Don't sit there and wait for the pastor to do it. Don't sit there and wait for the ministry to do it. you got to say, what can I do? What can I give? Why did God put me here in the first place? Hallelujah. If you don't realize that you're a part of the body, and that you are expected to contribute something, then you end up draining from the body what it needs to survive. Are you familiar with the process of pruning? Do you know what that is? Do you know what's involved in pruning? Do you know why a, a farmer prunes his plants? Here's the deal. He looks at some of the branches that are not producing, but he realizes that branch that is not producing is getting just as much nutrient as the branch that is producing. There's only so much nourishment going up through that plant. All right? There's 100% that's going up through that plant. And if you've got five branches here that are, getting, that, that are giving nothing, they're not producing anything, they are drawing from the nutrients and the nutrition. They're drawing out of that pool and keeping the branches that are producing from getting what they need. And so it hinders the ones that are producing and keeps them from producing as much as they should. I hope you're grasping. what I'm telling you, you're either giving or you're taking. You're not just sitting here in neutral. You're either contributing or removing. So you've got to ask yourself, what can I do? I am here to contribute. I'm not here to be a parasite. I'm not here, I'm not here just to see what I can glean. I'm here to give something. I'm here to produce something. Look, you, you go, I don't have time to get into it. You go back to John chapter 15, and, and you look and see what Jesus said about the whole pruning process. And he said, every branch that beareth not fruit, the Father cuts it off. He does away with it. And every branch that bears fruit, he, he prunes it so that it can produce more fruit. Is that what he said? That's, that's the principle. God wants you producing. He wants you to be productive. So you come to church with a goal in mind. There's somewhere we're trying to go. There's something we're trying to accomplish. Now what can I give to help us get there? Well, I can give my undivided attention. Everybody can give that. We can press past every distraction that we bring with us. Everybody can give their undivided attention if they're willing to do it. I can give my worship. I don't have to wait on somebody else. I don't have to wait on somebody else. Hallelujah. Praise God. Sister Barry, thank you. Thank you. I, I know you're not a member here, but thank you for the fact that you come in here and worship God because you understand God needs to be worshiped. She's not here to impress anybody. You hear me tonight? I'm just talking to this church. I'm telling you, every one of us have got to get a revelation.
We got to get a revelation. We're here to contribute. We're here to give. We're here to produce. So you know what I can produce? I may not be able to run the aisles. I may not be able to, to do everything. that everybody. I, I, I've talked about this many times. My mom is here. She can confirm this. But, but I remember my grandmother, 77 years old, when God saved her, filled her with the Holy Ghost. We would wheel her into that church in her wheelchair. The Holy Ghost would start moving. People are dancing. People are jumping. People are running. Grandma can't do any of that. So you know what she'd do? She'd kick those foot pedals out of the way and she'd just stomp her feet for all that she was worth. She wasn't really moving much, but I'm going to tell you something, honey. She was doing her part. And I believe God looked down and saw that little bit of weak foot stomping as being just as vibrant and just as powerful as the young people that were jumping and running. I'm saying every one of us can give something. Every one of us can give something. We've got to get a goal. We've got to get a goal, Brother Jared. We've got to understand I'm not just here because it's church time, but I'm here trying to help this church go somewhere. So we got to set some goals. We got to set some goals. I got about fifteen minutes, twenty minutes. We got. There was only one person that said that. So, hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. I know you've been working all day. I understand all that. I'm keeping all that in mind. But, but, but listen, listen. We got to set some goals. If you don't have a, somebody said, if you aim at nothing, you're gonna hit it every time. You aim at nothing, you will hit it every time. You'll hit nothing every time. So we've got to come in this church with some goals, and we've got to go out there and witness with some goals. We've got to do what God called us to do. We've got to keep these goals in mind. What am I trying to accomplish? I mentioned the waitress. When I talk to that waitress, when I invite that waitress to church, I need to do it with a goal in mind. There's something I'm trying to accomplish here. Not just fulfill my obligation. Not just hand out my daily card. But I got a goal. There's something I want to do. Something I want to see accomplished in the life of that waiter or waitress. What do I want to see accomplished? What am I trying to accomplish in their life? Well, now, before you say, I want to see them saved, let's, let's think about it for a minute. That is a part of it. That's a part of it. But, you know, there are some things that have got to happen before you just see them saved. See, we, we, don't believe in that, we don't believe in that false doctrine of just accepting Christ and everybody's all right. That's not what the Bible teaches. So we're not going to get them to accept Christ while they're waiting our table. We've got to have some goals. There's got to be some goals we set. So let's break down the goals here. If I can do this fairly quickly tonight, let's break down the goals of what am I trying to accomplish when I, in, when I begin to talk to that individual. What am I trying to do? There are, there are really 
four or five. There are five levels of goals we want to reach. Are you with me? This is Bible study time. But there's, there's five goals we're trying to reach, and we reach them one at a time. All right? Remember the analogy I gave. We're breaking this down. Goal level one. Luke 14, 23. And the Lord said unto the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. Compel them to come in. That goal might. level one. I'm sorry. My house, may, house be may be filled. All right. All right. Goal level one is to secure a visit. The first thing we want to do is we want to get them to church. Why do we want to get them to church? Because we want to get them acquainted with the power of Pentecost. They're never going to understand it until they feel it for themselves. I'm telling you, when I went to a Pentecostal church at the age of 11, I knew nothing about the Bible. I knew nothing about God. But this much I did know. I felt something in that church I had never felt in all my life. And the reason that I'm a one God apostolic today is because as an 11-year-old boy, I felt something. I'd been to a couple of other churches, just a couple that I can remember. All I remember is one time uh, we went to that, uh, uh, and I'm not throwing any stones, we went to a Methodist church. I remember we lived in Rainsville, Indiana, and some of our neighbors kept begging us, begging us, go to this Methodist church. So we went there one Sunday morning. And then I know I went and spent a summer in Dana uh, with, with my aunt. I went to vacation Bible school at the Baptist church uh, for Monday through Friday at a vacation Bible. That's all I can remember of the first 11 years of my life. I don't remember any other visit to a church. But when I went to that Pentecostal church, I felt something I had not felt in those other places. I'm not throwing stones. I'm just telling you the truth. I felt something in that Pentecostal church that I never felt anywhere else. That's why we visited that church that one Sunday. I never felt a motivation to go back. I went to that vacation Bible school for five days, but I never felt the drive to go back. But when I went to that Pentecostal church from the very first night, when my dad told me, he said, son, I don't want you mixed up with those people. I said, are you telling me I can't go? He said, no, I'm not saying you can't. I said, well, dad, if you're not telling me I can't, then I'm going back. You want to know why? There was something inside of me. I felt something. And that feeling is what kept driving me. I got to get back there and feel it again. So, so goal level one, we want to get them to come so they can feel the Holy Ghost. We can tell them all about it, but until they feel it, they're not going to comprehend it. So that's goal level one. But we don't want them to just come and visit. I've got another goal in mind. All right, you're my waiter tonight, all right? So, so I've worked on, on, on this waiter, and I've worked on it, worked on it, and I've worked on it because I've got a goal. I've got somewhere I'm trying, something I'm trying to accomplish in this life. The first thing I'm trying to accomplish, I just want to get you to church. If I can just get you to come and feel what I feel, you'll want more of it. But once he comes to church, that's not the end. And I'm telling you, too many of us have quit right there. Well, hallelujah, they came to church. No, 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 
well, you accomplished the first goal, but there's, there are more goals after that. What's the second goal? I not only want to secure a visit, I want to secure, oh, get ready, I'm going to lose some of you now. I want to secure a Bible study. I don't just want them to come and feel. I want them to understand. Acts chapter 5, verse 42. And daily and in da- the temple. Wait a minute. And, and how often? Daily. How often? Daily. You mean it wasn't just on church? It wasn't just Sunday morning, Sunday night, midweek service? No, sir. Daily. Daily. What are they doing? In the temple. They're in the temple. And in every house. And in what? Every house. And what? Every Every house. What are they doing in every house? They cease they not, cease not to, to teach and to preach teach Jesus Christ. And preach Jesus Christ. I got a goal. I got a goal. I not only want you to come to church. I want to teach you a Bible study. I want to tell you about Jesus. I want to tell you about the power of the Holy Ghost. I want to explain to you that you need to be baptized in Jesus' name. I want you to see it in the scripture. Oh, come on, church. Do you understand? Do you understand that statistically the vast majority of new converts who stay in the church are those who are one through home Bible studies. Because that person has truly been born of the word. How many times have we watched people come in their very first time, come to an altar, talk in tongues, and we never see them again? You want to know what the problem is? They received the seed, but there was no depth. Jesus talked about that with the four kinds of ground. There's no depth. And so the seed really didn't take root. It really didn't go down as deep as it needed to. But you take that person and you begin to teach them Bible studies and you begin to show them in the word of God. I'm telling you, statistically, those that come in through Bible studies stay in far greater numbers than those that just come in because they felt something that night. So I'm not satisfied with just getting you to church. I want to teach you a Bible study. But I want to tell you, that's not my ultimate goal either. Just teaching you a Bible study is not enough. Right? Right? There's another goal I'm trying to accomplish. Why am I teaching a Bible study? Because I want to secure, I know I not only want to secure a visit and secure a Bible study, I want to secure their salvation. I don't want to just talk to him about being baptized in Jesus' name. I want to take him down in the water. I want to see him get baptized in Jesus' name. I want to pray with him in the altar until he talks in tongues. Are you hearing me? I don't just want to teach a Bible study. I want to be effective in that Bible study, and I want to win them to God. I've got a goal in what I'm doing. I've got a goal in what I'm doing. I'm going somewhere. I'm aiming for something. Are you hearing me tonight? I'm aiming for something. This is not just mindless handing out cards. And I know there's a place for all, but I'm just telling you, if we could get goal-oriented evangelism to become a part of our spirit. I've got a goal in what I'm doing. There's a reason. There's a reason, Brother Wisdom. There's a reason I went to your house week after week and taught Bible studies to you. And I'm going to tell you now, it wasn't just because I didn't have anything else to do. But it's because I had a goal in mind. 
I was looking forward to the day that I baptized you in Jesus' name. I was looking forward to the day that I prayed you through until you talked in tongues. I had a goal in mind. But can I tell you, that was not the ultimate goal. Just getting him to obey Acts 2.38 was not the ultimate. I'm, I'm, I'm running out of time. I've got more scriptures. Let's, let's go ahead and read John 3 and 5 just, just so we can say that we've said it. We're talking about getting them to a place where they experience salvation. John 3 and 5. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot he enter cannot, into the kingdom cannot, of God. He cannot, he cannot, he cannot. We're not getting around that. He cannot. Jesus said he cannot. There's no exceptions. I don't want to hear this stuff. People are saved based on what they know. That's a very popular doctrine, even in apostolic ranks today. People are saved by what they know. I don't believe that. Jesus said if they're not born of water and spirit, they cannot. He didn't say unless maybe they don't know about it. He just said they cannot. They're not born of water and spirit. They cannot enter the kingdom of God. It's not going to happen. Just not going to happen. So we got to get them born of water and spirit. We've got to see every contact as a potential recipient of the Acts 2.38 message. Just go ahead and read it. Acts 2.38 and 39. Then Peter, Peter said, said unto them, them repent, repent and be baptized, baptized every, every one of you in the, in the name of Jesus Christ, Christ for the, the remission. Hey, wait, 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 wait. Where are you? Are you already going home? We're reading the most important verse in all the scripture right now. Come on. If this scripture doesn't excite you, something's wrong. Start again. Then Peter, then said, Peter unto, said unto them, repent, repent and, be baptized, and be baptized, every one of every you, one of in the name, of, the Jesus name Christ, of Jesus Christ, for the remission, for the remission of, sins, of sins, and you shall and you receive, shall the, receive gift the gift of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost for the for promise is unto you, unto you and, and to your children, and to all that are far off, even as, even many, as many as the Lord, as the Lord our God shall call. That waiter in the restaurant that checker at Walmart, that convenience store attendant, that co-worker, the promise is to them too. The promise is to them too. It's to them too. So we got to have a goal. we got to have a goal. But I'm not satisfied. You say, well, all right, thank God they talked in tongues. They got baptized in Jesus' name. We're done now. Oh, no, we're not. Oh, no, we're not. You know, that's like saying, well, we've waited nine months for our baby. He's here now. See you later, little guy. Hope you make it. I'm sure you'll grow up to be productive. Come on, you're, you're in the family now. You ought to be doing something. Well, that's the way we get. Somebody talks in tongues. We think immediately they ought to become a full-grown saint. Oh, I hit a bump there. You forget how long it took you to finally grow into the place God wanted you to be. 
let us not forget that. There's a reason why they're called newborn babes. Hey, 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 hey. We, we, we have our grandson. We have our grandson regular over there. And can I just tell you, can I just tell you, I don't have to tell you this. You know it. He's only a year old. I want to tell you, there's some times that he just doesn't smell too good. There's, there's some times, there's some times he needs, he needs cleaned up and changed. But we don't throw him in the trash. And that's what we do with some new converts. Soon as they mess up, we want to throw them away and say, well, they should have known better. Hey, wait a minute. They're babies. Give the baby time to grow up. Well, it's the truth anyhow. Don't go find them and start lining them out with holiness standards and trying to tell them you've got to change this and change that. Leave that to God and the pastor. We'll take care of that when God's ready for that to be taken care of. But they're babies. You cuddle them. You nurture them. You know how you are when somebody has a baby and they bring it to church for the first time. Come on, you ladies know what you do. You'll goo-goo and gaga and carry on and, oh, I mean, you want to hug it and you want to kiss it and you, oh, on and on. And you, you know, that's the way you treat babies. Well, why don't we treat our spiritual babies that way? I'm preaching to you now. Why don't we treat our spiritual babies that way? All right, so they missed a service. Oh, why don't you, why don't you quit jumping down their throat and when you do see them, go hug them up real good. Man, it's good to see you. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. We don't have to load them up with, why weren't you here last service? No, no, leave that to God and the pastor. You just love on that baby. You just pat that baby. You take care of that baby. Woo, where did my time go? All right, I gotta hurry. I gotta hurry. I, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying. But goal level four. We're not finished when we just get them to obey Acts two thirty eight. There's another goal we have that we need to accomplish. Second Thessalonians two verses sixteen and seventeen. Now our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. Comfort your, Comfort hearts your hearts and establish and you. what and establish you. and what establish establish you in every good word in and work every good word and work. This is goal level four. I don't just want to see them experience salvation. I want them to be established. I want them to become solid saints. That's why I said a while ago, Brother Wisdom, that when I saw you baptized, receive the Holy Ghost, that wasn't the end of what I was hoping for for your life. That's not the end of it all. There's another goal I'm trying to accomplish. I want them to become established saints. 1 Peter 5 and 10. But the God of all grace, who hath called us into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect. Make you perfect. Establish. There it is again. Establish. Strengthen. Strengthen. Settle, settle you. you. This is what we're trying to do, church. 
I don't just want to hear them talk in tongues. I don't just want to see them come out of the water. I want to see them sitting on the pew. Whatever it takes, whatever I've got to do, however much time it involves, I want to see them faithful to the house of God. I want to see them as productive members of this assembly. Oh, praise God. I've got to hurry. I've got to hurry. I've got to hurry. Hallelujah. We cannot be content to merely get them saved. We've got to do everything in our power to keep them saved. We don't believe in once saved, always saved around here. The Bible doesn't teach once saved, always saved. Bible doesn't teach once saved, always saved. So we not only have to get them saved, we've got to keep them saved. We may not keep everyone we get, but we shouldn't be losing everyone we get. All right, I'm trying, I'm trying. Number five, it's, it's magic hour. It's time for everybody to put their Bibles away and put their coats on and walk out. So, so give me just a few minutes, just a few minutes, all right? All right, goal level five, goal level five. Even when I get them to become an established saint, I'm not finished. There is one final goal I have for their life. Some of you are scratching your heads right now in the spirit. Dear God, we get them saved, we get them sitting on a pew, they're coming to church, they're living right. What else do you want? I'll tell you what I want. I don't want them to stop with just being a good saint. I want to establish them as a soul winner. I don't want them to be just focused on them staying saved. I want them to focus on getting other people saved, on them repeating the process we just went through to get them where they are. Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. Listen, listen, listen. This was the commission God gave. Go ye wait, therefore. Wait, wait. The first word is? Go. The first word is? Go. All right, we got to go. Go you therefore. And teach and all nations. And what's nation. that? And what? Teach. Go and teach. Everyone say go and teach. Go and teach. All right. Go and teach. All nations, all baptizing nations. them. Wait, 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 wait. There's another verb there. Another verb there. Go and teach. Baptize. Baptize. Yes, we got to baptize them. Yes, sir. Go and teach and baptize them. In the name of the Father. In the name. In the name. Everyone knows what the, the name Son is. And the Everyone Holy knows Ghost. what the name is. Teaching them to. There's no other name. Neither is there salvation any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Baptize them in the name, in the name, in the name. All right, verse 20. Teaching them wait, to. Wait, wait, there's another verb. Teach. teach. Yes, so what did he say? Go, teach, and baptize, and teach. Now what are you going to teach them on that last one? What is, teaching them what? To observe, to all, observe things all things whatsoever, whatsoever I have commanded I have you. Co now what did he just command them? He just commanded them to go and to teach and to baptize and to teach. And he says, now, I want you to go and teach and baptize and teach them to do what I just taught you to do. So I go and I teach and I baptize. Now my next job is i got to teach you to go and teach and baptize. Hallelujah. So you go, you go, and you get somebody, and you teach them, and you get them baptized, all right? Now, he's, now listen to me, Andrew. He's gone, and he's taught, and you've got baptized, but we're not finished yet. He's got to teach you now to do what he just did. Come on. Go. Come on. 
I'm telling you, this is what it's all about, church. You hear me? This is what it's all about. Hey, why did you guys stop? Don't stop. You got to keep doing what God told you to do. You go and you teach and you baptize and you go and you teach and you baptize and you teach and you go and you baptize. Dear God, somebody ought to get excited right about now. It's a cycle. It's a cycle. It's never supposed to stop. It's never supposed to end. You go. You teach. You baptize. You teach. You go. You teach. You baptize. You teach. All right, all right. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. All right, all right. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But I'm not ready to stop just yet. I'm not ready to stop just yet. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Sit down, sit down, sit down. I know I gotta stop, but, but listen, listen, listen. We, this is our job, church. These are the five goals we've got to set for every individual. We've got to go realizing there's a goal involved. I'm not just out here talking to somebody. I'm trying to accomplish something. What am I trying to accomplish? Number one, I want to give them to church. Number two, I want to teach them a Bible study. Number three, I want to see them obey Acts 2.38. Number four, I want to make sure they get established in the church. But number five, I want to make sure they get out there and start doing the same thing I just did. If we'll set those kinds of goals, do you know what's going to happen around here? Do you understand what's going to take place around here? We're going to come to church and say, scoot over. Somebody get a chair. We're going to have folks coming in and say, please let me sing in the choir, in the choir. Please let me sing. Why do you want to sing in the choir? Because there's no room out there. I got to have some place to sit. Come on, somebody. We got to understand this. We got to get a hold of this. Oh, oh Jesus, 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 Jesus. Oh, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Give me, give me, give me about five more minutes, all right? Give me about five more minutes. About five more minutes. And then I may need five more when I get done with that five, but. But for right now, just give me five. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, now listen, listen, listen. Our objectives have not been reached until we have brought a contact from being a visitor to bringing a visitor. Did you get that? Our, our objective has not been accomplished until we can get them from being a visitor to bringing Through those five steps, through those five steps, get them to church, teach them a Bible study, see them obey Acts 2.38, get them established, and get them out there winning others. That's when our objective has been accomplished for that, purpose, for that person, for that individual. Now, now, now listen, this is not going to happen 
just because we talk about it, just because we shout about it when somebody's preaching it to us, just because we get excited in a moment like this tonight, that doesn't mean it's going to happen. You know that if it's going to happen, it's going to require, yeah, that four-letter word, work. Philippians 3.14. I press. I what? Press. I what? Press. I what? Press. It's not an easy job. It's not an easy task. It's not going to be accomplished by me just sitting back doing nothing, waiting on everybody else. But I press towards the, toward mark, the mark for the prize, for the prize of, the of the high, high calling. I'm pressing. This is my calling. This is what God's called me to do, and I'm going to press until I accomplish that calling. Another translation says I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me. Heavenward in Christ Jesus. I press for that goal. That's what I'm preaching to you about tonight. Goal-oriented evangelism. I am pressing toward a goal. Now, I, I don't have time to go through everything that's here, but 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 listen, I say we've, we've got to have a vision. We, Proverbs, read it again. Proverbs 29, 18, read it again. Where there is no, there vision, is no vision, the people the perish. perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. In the early part of this lesson, and I promise you, I'm nearly done. But in the early part of this lesson, I told you that we have got to have two sets of goals. Anybody remember me saying that? Got to have two sets of goals. Nobody remembers me saying that. Okay, well, I'll say it again. We've got to have two sets of goals. We've got to have goals for the individual. And we've got to have goals for our church. Thank you. Somebody does remember. We've got to have some goals for this church. What do we want to accomplish in this church? Well, let's break it down. I want to tell you that when I stood before this assembly, August of 1996, 19 years ago this very week, 19 years ago this very week, I stood before this church and I said to you, this is my goal for this church. I want to see this church running 300 in our midweek service. Now, why not pick midweek service? I'm going to tell you why. Because there's a lot of variables on Sunday morning, a lot of variables on Sunday night. Midweek service is generally the real strength of the church. I mean, you have a lot of other folks that will come on Sundays and thank God for those that come. But the real strength of the church is in the midweek service. Well, really, the real strength of the church is in the prayer meeting, but... but but you can tell a whole lot more about the church and how strong it is based on the size of those that attend regularly in the midweek service. I'm telling you that this building, if we get 300 people in this building, it's going to be wall to wall. Now, I know that when it was built, it was rated for 300. But I'm telling you, the people who developed those ratings are considering Ethiopians, not apostolics. You can get 300 Ethiopians in here. You're not getting 300 apostolics in here. Uh, one time, one time for a special service, we had chairs nearly, we had chairs way out here. We had chairs against the back wall, chairs everywhere, and we had, I think, 275, I think, in that service. But I'm telling you, it was literally wall-to-wall -wall people that night, 275. We have 300. We're going to have to be putting them in the choir loft. 
We don't have to put them everywhere. All right? So, so but that was, that, was, that was the goal that I set 19 years ago. I want us to reach that point where in our midweek service we're running 300. Now, the only way we're going to accomplish that, we've got to break that down. So you know what our first goal is? Our first goal, our first goal, we want to see this church running 75 in our midweek service. That's, that's goal number one. All right? We're talking about breaking this down into pieces. That's, that, that, you know, I, I don't have time to go into it. I was going to read Exodus 18 where, where Moses' father-in-law called him aside and said, look, you, you, this is too, it's too big of a job for you to get done the way you're trying to do it. You're here from sunup to sundown and beyond trying to do all this. You've got to break this down. You've got to make it smaller. Bite it off in smaller pieces, and you'll get it done. That's what we're trying to accomplish tonight. That's what we're trying to accomplish. So you know what we've got to do? We've got to come to church with a mindset. Not just that I'm glad to be here, but, you know, I want to do my part to see us running 75 consistently every Thursday night. Every Thursday night. I don't want there to ever be less than 75 here on a Thursday night. That's my goal. That's my goal. And you know what happens when we hit that? We kick it up to goal two. We're going to double that 75, and we're going to have 150 here on Thursday nights. Hey, 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 hey. If we can break the 75 barrier, we can break the 150 barrier. And you know what happens when we have 150 on Thursday nights? You know what happens then? We just move on to the next goal, and that's 300. That's how we're going to do it, church. That's how we're going to accomplish it. But I need everybody on board. Every joint's got to supply something. Every member's got to provide something. Everybody's got to get on board with this vision. This is what we're going to do. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to do my part to make sure we have 75 here every Thursday night. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, honestly, there's, there's just a, a few families around here. If, if you just won just a couple of families around here with the right number of kids, we could be over 75 in just a week or two. That's the truth. It wouldn't take that much for us to, I don't even know how many's here. I'm a horrible judge of numbers. I don't even know what's here tonight. I have no clue what's here. Josh is counting very quickly, but then that's Josh. He just lost count. He's got to start over. I told you, that's Josh. 62 here. We're not that far away from the first goal, are we? We're, we're not that far away. Hey, somebody, are you hearing me? We're not that far away. We're not, oh, somebody, hear me tonight. We're not that far away. It's not going to take much more, Brother Brandon, for us to go from 62 to 75. That's not a lot of people. We can do this thing. By God's help, we can do this.
And hey, we got we got a few folks that are working. We got folks that are working. We got uh, uh, we got one family that's out of town this week. So you know, I mean, we're not that far away. And I know we got a few guests here tonight, and 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 folks from Junction City. We're not recruiting you. You got a church to go to. You're here by your pastor's permission. I understand that. And, 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 and Brother Bradley's back there working on our sound, but he's got a church to go to in Leavenworth. We're not, we're not recruiting him, all right? Everybody's clear on that. We're not, we're not recruiting him. But I'm telling you, every, every one of us can put our shoulder to this plow, and with just a little bit of push, we're going to break that first goal wide open. We're not that far away. I can see it. Come on. And when that happens, when that happens, God's going to give us the faith and the strength. And those 75 are going to start catching this same vision. And they're going to start doing their part. You understand, you understand if, if we just had 20 people here tonight that really got a hold of this and brought one person, just one, just one, then that 20 becomes 40. And those 40 came in understanding this is what we got to do. And so, so now we got 40 that are bringing one each, and that's 80. And then those 80 have got this same vision and same burden. And that 80 becomes 160. And that 160 catches this. And that 160 becomes 320. And then they get it. And then we're at 640. And then at 1280. Is anybody fine? It's just one person reaching one. That's all I'm telling you. That's all I'm telling you. That's all I'm telling you. It's just one person reaching one. And we went in just a few moments' time from 20 to 1,200. By one person reaching one. Now, 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 now listen, listen. I, I didn't realize this. Just a few weeks ago I made a statement. Just a few weeks ago I made a statement. And I'm, I'm closing. Sister Becca, come up here and play so I'll know i got to stop. This is all your fault. You didn't come to the piano a while ago. Hallelujah. No, 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 no. Listen, listen, listen. A few weeks ago, I made a statement of this church, and I was surprised when I got out those old notes from 1996. I made a statement. It was in those notes. I said, we're setting a goal right now of 300, but understand this. Ultimately, I'm trying to find it so I can read it to you. This, this, is, what I, this is what I put. In my notes, 1996, this is what I said. And I just said it again the other day and didn't realize I had said this in 96. I said, although our, our first long-range goal is 300, understand that ultimately we are praying for a tithe of this city. That was in my notes in 1996. 
I just said it again the other day. Anybody remember me saying that? Just the other day I said it again. I didn't even realize I'd said it in 96, but I still hold to it. 120,000 people, I'm telling you, God can give us a tithe of this city. Three million in the Kansas City metro, God can give us a tithe of this metropolitan area. We can have churches everywhere. God can do it. Don't kill my dream. Don't slay my dream. Mark chapter 10 and verse 27. And Jesus looking Jesus upon them saying, With men with it men, is impossible. It's impossible. But not with God. But not with God. For with God, for with God all things are possible. For with God, for with God, all things are possible. We can pack this place, build another one, and pack it. Build another one and pack it. I remember very clearly hearing the late Elder Westberg say that when they started building that building, he got to looking around and started getting nervous. He said, I just don't know. This is a mighty big building. And he said, the Lord spoke to him said, have you ever built a building yet that I wasn't able to fill? Come on, church. Sister Hilton, your husband didn't build this building for it to stay two-thirds empty. Did you hear what I said? He didn't build this building. So we'd only have a third of the occupancy here. He built it to see it full. And we're not letting that dream die. We didn't remodel this place so it could stay empty. We did it because we were expecting babies. We're getting the nursery ready. We're getting the spiritual nursery ready. We're expecting some babies around here. And I'm telling you now, when we fill this one up and we go to the next one, God's going to fill it. And when we fill that one up, we're going to build another one and God's going to fill it. Doubt it if you want to doubt it, but I believe it. vision. We're going to keep this vision before our eyes. We're going to remember. We're going to remember what God has told us he's going to do for us. We're not going to forget. 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 
hey, 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 hey. Does anybody remember Elder Wade Bass grabbing this sign, running to this platform, and saying, Brother Riggin, this one's not going to be big enough? This one's not going to be big enough. Yeah, I believe it, God. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. Phases. Phase two. No, it's more than that. No, you're not dreaming big enough. It's more than that. No, 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 no. No, it was, it was, it was, it was, I think, I think phase two was 1,500. Phase two, 1,500. I think phase one, I think phase one was about 750. Phase two is 1,500. But this is phase two. This is everything. Brother Bass. While he's preaching, the anointing on him, he said, Brother Regan, this is not going to be big enough. Not going to be big enough. It's all right, Lord. <laughs> when it's time, when it's time, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how we're going to build one bigger, but I'm just telling you, I believe God. I believe God. Ask what you will, and it shall be given. Trust and obey. Believe him and say, I believe. I believe God. Come on, anybody believe? Anybody believe? Anybody believe tonight? Is anybody catching my vision? Is anybody seeing what I'm seeing tonight? say, man, I remember when we had our pick where we wanted to sit. But not so anymore. There just ain't room. There's just not room. We're going to have to scoot these altars back. We're going to have to scoot them back so we can put some more chairs out there.
is where we're headed. This is where we're headed. Come on, God gave us that property. God performed a miracle to get the taxes taken off of it, refund our money. It was a miracle when that happened. God didn't do that by accident. God didn't do that by accident. Remember, we were ready to sell it. We were ready to sell it. And God stepped in and performed a miracle. Why did he do that, Brother Jared? I'll tell you why. Because we got to have some place to put this. It's not going to fit on these four and a half acres. we got to have some place to build this. Some of you men, start getting that, start getting that swinging arm. Start getting, start getting that ready. Get your hammer out, blow the dust off of it. Get your skill saw out. Building time's coming. Well, I've got a vision. I've got a vision. So we're not going to perish. We're not going to perish. We're not going to die off. Oh, no. I got a vision. And I think some people's got a vision. And I, I think there's some folks that understand. This is how we're going to do it. We're going we're to reach 300 through goal-oriented evangelism. We're going to get a goal in mind. We're going to start winning people to God. We're going to train them to be soul winners. And we're going to start filling this building up. Let's praise him together. Let's praise him together.